We appreciate our music here at Pleasant Valley South. I'm going to take your Bible now and turn with me to James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20. We're going to talk about the real deal faith. James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Verse 20, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? I was at one of the local box stores several months ago. I went to the service desk to make a return, and the lady says, I'm just going to give you cash. I said, fine, I've got to purchase something else anyway. So I went and picked up the item, and I went to customer no service, and I was checking myself out put a $20 bill that I got from the service desk into the cash register or whatever you call that thing that eats your money. And it rejected, it rejected, it rejected. And finally the girl who was the manager of customer no service walked over and said, sir, let me try to insert that 20 for you. I said, ma'am, I just made that 20. I don't know why it won't go in. Well then after it wouldn't go in for her, she got the front end manager. And so they held it up and tested it and I said, wait a minute. I said, I want you to know where I got that counterfeit. Your service desk. And I said, I walked over there. I put it in my pocket with the receipt. And so the lady kept looking in the light with it. And she said, sir, we're going to have to do something about this. I said, yes, you are. You're going to have to replace my $20 bill because y'all giving away counterfeits at the service desk. And you know what she did? She opened a cash drawer. She handed me another $20 bill and put the counterfeit back in her till. I went back to customer no service and it was legit. Now be careful about telling people you just made $20 bills. Suppose we went into a fine hotel. We've been traveling for a while. We went in, there's a big silver bowl there filled with apples. You say, how nice of this hotel. They know we might need a snack after we come off the road. So you just walked up there and picked you up a nice, big, red, juicy apple. And you bit into it. And when you did, you found out it was made out of wax. The apples were fake. Now you're in a dilemma now. Your teeth prints are in that apple. And you've got to make a decision. Am I going to put this apple back in that nice silver bowl for other guests to come in and possibly pick it up? Or am I going to steal the apple, since it's got my teeth prints in it, and take it back to my room? What has happened is we have mistaken counterfeit for that which is real. And it's sad to say that there are so many people out here that name the name of Jesus Christ, that have a head knowledge and not a heart relationship. 
and they're actually counterfeit believers. James addressed this, and then we turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and we find out how we to show ourselves as persons with the real deal faith. How do you please God? Listen to Hebrews. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So it tells us that faith is the only way that we can please God. And Paul says in another place in Romans, whatsoever is not of faith is Sin. So go back to James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if somebody claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? This is actually a very rhetorical kind of question that he asks us. What good is it if a man claims to have faith? So examine what faith is and what it's not. First of all, look at the genuine faith is not just words. I've known people who know the spiritual language. You think they were raised from a, 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 a Baptist from when they were in diapers as a baby. They know all the buzzwords to say. They, they know how to sound like a Christian. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people out here who are lost, who pray and don't get any results. And the reason for that is the only prayer that God hears of a lost person is that of repentance and faith, trust in Jesus as Savior and as Lord. Some people like to have Christian symbols on their cars. Nothing wrong with that. Some people like to wear crosses as necklaces. Some people like to have emblems on their homes. But the difference, there's a difference in a professor and a possessor of the faith. Just because a person says they have faith don't mean they have faith that pleases God. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of God. But the only one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And the emphasis is on, listen, on what they say. A lot of people say that they're Christians. They call him Lord, but Jesus said that is not the case at all. Down in verse 21b, he says, but only the one who does the will of my Father. Our faith must be backed up by our actions. Some people say, I'm a Christian. I have trusted Jesus as my Savior and my Lord, but they, they have absolutely no evidence, no fruit, spiritual fruit in their life to prove it. Now, the next thing I want you to write down is a genuine faith is not feelings or emotions. A lot of folks equate emotions with their faith. I don't want to have anything to do with a dry-eyed faith. There are times we have to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. But a lot of people think that if, if, if you're not crying every service and if you don't get emotional out here during the week trying to live your faith, that your faith is not real. Back when Billy Graham was in Bible college, he was going through a difficult time. He wrote his mother a letter. He said, Mom, I don't understand what's going on. But he said, 
I just feel so far away from God. And he said, my spiritual life is just so dry. He said, I I just don't know what to do. What could be wrong? And she wrote back, and here's what she said. Son, when you can't feel God, when you can't emotionally experience God, that's when you have to depend on faith alone. That's when our faith is the strongest. When you have to walk contrary to your feelings, just believing in God's Word and acting on God's Word, your faith is the strongest. But in James chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, we find this. There are many people that go by feelings. They don't back it by action. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? We cannot rely on our feelings. Our feelings run hot and they run cold and our emotions go up and down. I remember when I was a teenager, Jaws came out as a movie. Well, my girlfriend wanted to go see Jaws. And I'll never forget that. I, I don't swim anyway. I can do a good dog paddle. So I'm not much about going out into the ocean. And so Jaws gets started. And the next thing you know, after about 20 minutes into the movie, all of a sudden, <laughs> Jaws comes out of the water. And we're all backed up like this and he's attacking the crew and they're trying to beat him back with spears and things and it just scared all of us to death and then about halfway through the movie jaws came back up over the side of the ship and my girlfriend bit me right in the shoulder she was so scared she just chummed down right there and just held on it wasn't delaying don't worry she's not that fearful What it is, is the directors and the writers and the creators of that movie know how to mess with your emotions. You you can go to a monster movie. I don't know why you'd waste your money on that. But they know exactly how to make you scared in that theater, even though you know that monster is not real. Now watch this. You may know it's not real, but you feel like it's real. Therefore, you get scared because feelings have no intellect. All they can do is react. So having faith is not based on the way you feel. And then write down this. Genuine faith is not just thoughts. Down in verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith. And I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. And I'll show my faith by my deeds. James himself is saying, here's a person who simply says he has faith and he has no deeds. He said, all he can do is speak of faith. I can show you my faith by what I do. Some people show faith is something that they like to discuss. You know, I had a guy in my other church. Mark knows who it is. He was critical of every sermon and every Sunday school lesson that he heard. He didn't believe in the eternal security of the believer. He had real nice blonde hair and a beautiful wife. You know who I'm talking about. And I mean, he was just a waste of time to talk with because he was the authority on everything. And he was born in the objective mode. And he thought God called him to be the critique person for the church. I invited evangelists in one time to come preach revival services. And this old boy attacked him. And I should have paid the evangelist double because he took my critique guy out 
to play golf. And when they got through playing golf, the evangelist told this guy born in the objective mode, he said, you know what? You're a detriment to this church. And you're a threat to church unity. And you have an argumentative spirit. And you need to leave First Baptist Church. Praise God. Sometimes you just need to show somebody the door. Well, faith is like that faith. Faith is invisible, but you can see what faith does, and you see the effect faith have. Because we've got a gap in America right now. We've got a credibility gap. We have a faith gap. We have a gap between behavior and belief. Now, listen, faith is not just, just a feeling. Faith isn't just thinking something. Faith isn't just saying something. Now, don't do this. But you could go home today and stick your fingers in a 220 outlet and you're going to feel something. The next thing you might feel is the undertaker taking you away. And, you know, some people think that the power of God, it, it just has to be felt all the time. Well, I want you to know that God's power is a lot stronger than 220 volts. His power is going to change our actions, our speech, our thoughts, our home. The change, it'll change the way you live life every day. Your life will take on a new meaning and new purpose and new significance and your heart's changed. Now notice this genuine faith is not just belief. Look at verse 19. He says, you believe that there's one God? Good. Even demons believe that and they shudder. I've talked to people before you ever trusted Jesus as Savior in order to explain what it is. They say, I believe in God. Well, you don't want to be a smart person, but you want to look back and say, even Satan and the demons believe in the existence of God. In other words, if you say, I believe in God, you don't have more faith than the devil does. You've got the same belief system that he does. Well, I believe in God. That makes me a Christian. I don't have to do anything about it. So I'm all right. He says here, the demons have that kind of belief. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I was talking to somebody one time, and they said they were Christians. They said to me, I can't believe anybody can be an atheist. I mean, you can look around, and you just can realize that this is not some big experiment, that this world didn't take place by some big explosion so everybody ought to at least believe in God and so but when you look further in the word of God you look at John chapter 1 the Bible teaches that Jesus is the light that lights every man who comes into the world that doesn't mean that every man is going to be saved but it means that everybody has the capacity for faith it means that everybody has some light about God but you go on a little bit further, and he said that is not real faith. It is not just intellectual belief. It's got to be something in the heart. I've heard evangelists say some people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. It's the, it's the measurement between your head and your heart. You believe there is a God, but you've never repented and trusted him as Savior and Lord and accepted him into your heart. So you got people that just believe in God intellectually. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they have a real faith. In a farming community, he hadn't rained for a long, long time. 
So the pastor of the local Baptist church and the Methodist church and the priest of the Catholic church got together and said, we need to bring people to the town square to pray for rain. He said, bring whatever objects of faith you want to bring. So the Catholics were bringing the rosary and the Baptists were bringing their Bible. And I have no idea what the Methodists brought, but they came too. And they all came together on a spurting day and they prayed for rain. And they prayed over and over again, Lord, this drought is killing our crops. We're going to be bankrupt. We need rain. And guess what? It didn't rain. Everybody went home. Next day, a little boy about eight years old. He had heard about this prayer meeting. And so he went the next day to the town square by himself. And he took an object with him too. And so he went to the middle of the town square. Lord, we need rain. We're losing our crops. We're going to go, go bankrupt. And we need rain. And suddenly the skies got dark and got low. And all of a sudden, they had a, one of those trash-toting thunderstorms out there. And you know what he brought with him? An umbrella. You know, if you're praying for rain, you ought to bring an umbrella. That's real faith. Down in verse 20, he says, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Real faith is something that we do. It is a verb. It is an action word. It's something that we live every single day. And we find here while we call faith the body of truth, it's called faith, but faith is mainly an action word in the New Testament. Always an action word. Verse 20, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deed is useless? And when you learn that believing is useless without doing what God wants you to do, then a light's coming on. Faith without works is dead being alone. Now look at verse 14. Can such faith save them? Now listen, we're saved by grace, not by works. But if we're really saved, there's evidence by what we say, what we think, and what we do that proves whether we're really saved. Now, there are a lot of people out here that use their, their faith in Christ as a license to sin. Now, I hope you realize this. Some of the super five-point Calvinists, those that believe that before you're born, it's predetermined whether you're going to heaven or hell. Listen to me carefully. Those hyper-Calvinists, they don't mind getting involved in any kind of sin in the world. The reason why is they say, well, it's all predetermined. I'm going to heaven. I'm forgiven. I'm under the blood, so it doesn't matter how I live. A lot of people think that salvation is a license to sin. That's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that if you're going to be saved and you've got a real deal faith, you're going to live a life of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what we have a hard time doing now when people get saved? Getting them to be baptized. They say, Pastor, that's just embarrassing. And I say, well, 
I don't think it's embarrassing. I said, it's a symbol, just like my wedding ring is a symbol that I went to a wedding one day. And I said, I do till death do us part. That's just a symbol that I'm married to Delane. I said, this is just a symbol that you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And guess what happens? We baptize people most of the time. Somebody will either come to that candidate or one of our staff members and say, what did that baptism mean back here? And we get to share the plan of salvation with them. If Jesus went to the cross and bled and died and was spat upon and cursed and a spear plunged into his side, if he would do that publicly for us, why would we do this for him? Because the Word of God says that we're to follow in believer's baptism. And let me tell you, if you're not going to be obedient in believer's baptism after you've really been saved, how obedient you think you'll be to tithe? How obedient you think you're going to be in praying about all things? How obedient you're going to be a, be a part of the only organization Jesus died for, which is the church? How obedient are you going to be with having clean, holy thoughts? How obedient are you going to be in helping take care of the poor? He says here, if you've got a real deal faith, it is a faith that can save you, changes your life, and you live a life as a servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you've got your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and let's look at what I'm talking about. Where does this genuine faith come from? Well, this genuine faith has its source in God. But then it begins with Jesus. Notice this. And it ends with Jesus. Look at this. Verse 8 in chapter 2. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So there it is. Grace, faith, the source is God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Grace produces a changed life. God will produce work in our life. Look at verse 8 again. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. In our union with Christ Jesus, he has created, listen, he's created for us a life of good works, which he's already prepared for us to do. He's talking here that God has created through this union we have in Christ, through the new birth. He said there has been a union, and the union is with Jesus, and it's produced a new life within us. When we have a real deal faith, God's going to place things on our hearts that we need to do. God, lead me to where you want me to go. Lead me to what you want me to do. We, we had some shut-ins from our church living around the corner uh, until a couple of weeks ago. They had to go to assisted living. Before I'd go home sometimes in the afternoon, the Lord just placed in my heart, you need to go to town and pick up food and just carry it to their house. I wouldn't call them. I wouldn't do anything like that. I'd just go pick up Olive Garden and carry it to their house. When they finally get to the door, they were just so appreciative. I was not looking for appreciation. God had convicted me. I need to go over there 
and feed those people because they couldn't take care of themselves. Sometimes uh, Delaney and I will be in a restaurant and we'll have a waitress come to our table and we just feel led to, to encourage that person to the, for the day. And, and sometimes we ask them about Christ. It'll change the way you behave. It, it'll keep you from retaliating when people make you angry. Now, you don't need to let people run all over you, but it'll change what you say and what you do and how you handle that person. I was reading the other day, there's an old legend about a man who was lost in a desert. He gave out a water, and he was just a few hours from the dehydration taken in and it taking his life. He saw an old shack in the distance, and when he went up to the shack, the windows were knocked out, the roof was off, the door was down. He looked around the house for any water that he might find, and while he was up there just just so thirsty he looked about 15 feet from the shack and he saw an old hand pump you know what I'm talking about if you've watched the westerns and so it was all rusted and everything and he went over there he almost had to crawl to it he was so dehydrated and when he did he started pumping it and guess what happened nothing it just squeaked it was rusty it was old and then he said, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. So he went back to shack, and he was kind of stumbling around looking, and all of a sudden he came up a, on about a gallon, one of those old pottery jugs. You know what I'm talking about. And it was all dusty, and some straw was over it, and he uncovered it, and there was a note on the side of it. And here's what it said. It was just very, very simple. It says, you have to prime the pump with all the water in the jug. P.S. Be sure you fill up the jug again before you leave. So he opened the jug and guess what? It was full of clean water. Now he had the choice to make. What happened when he pumped the handle on the well? Absolutely nothing. So he said, suppose I prime this pump and no water comes out. I know that I can drink all the water in this jug and live to get where I'm going. So he had to make a choice. What would you do? So he decided to obey the note and pour all the water from the jug into the pump to prime it. And guess what happened? He pumped it once, nothing, air. Twice, nothing, air. Uh-oh. Three times, it spit some water out. Did I hit you? I don't think I did. And guess what? Water started gushing out more than he could ever use. And so here's what he did. He got all the water he needed to drink, bathe off with, and to carry on his trip. And then he filled that old jug up that he had primed the pump with. He put it back where it was. And he added on to the note he wrote on there, believe me, it really works. However, you have to give it all away before you can get anything back. Think about this. When we accept Jesus as Savior and Lord of our lives, 
We're saved by grace. We repent of our sins. But when we say he's Savior and Lord, we have to give ourselves all the way to his lordship and to his ownership. And when we do that, we give it all. Then God works through us to make sure with this union that we have, we have the real deal faith. And let me tell you something. If you're going to be a faithful witness for Christ, people are out here not fooled. They know where you're for real or not. And if you don't have a real deal faith, a lost person is absolutely not going to listen to what you have to say. They watch what you do, and they know you're a counterfeit $20 bill. They know that you're a wax apple instead of a real apple. I don't know about you. I want to be known as the real deal for the king of kings. Would you stand right where you are? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for meeting with us today. Very simple message, but it's so very important as we read the statistics now since COVID, 35% of so-called Christians in America who were regular in their church attendance and participating in ministry no longer have anything to do with the church. The majority of the people who said they were going to listen online and do church at home no longer are listening to podcasts. Don't want anything to do with the church. The question is, when we were hit with a crisis and now we're on the other side, do we have a real deal faith? When we have a personal crisis and the way we respond to it, that proves whether our our faith is fake, counterfeit, or is for real. And God, may you give all of us the real faith fleshed out through what we say and what we do and what we think. And Lord, today, if there's somebody here who's never trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, they need to trust you by faith. We know that your son lived a perfect life, went to Calvary's cross, shed his blood for our salvation, and rose again. Whosoever calls on his name by faith shall be saved. Would you do that today? Some of you are saved already here, and you've never followed it up with believer's baptism. That doesn't save you, but it's what Christ asked us to do. That's part of obedience. Would you come today? Some of you have been our guests for a while. And God has spoken to you through your prayer time and your Bible study time that he wants you to plant your gifts in this little church called Pleasant Valley South. And Lord, we're going to give you thanks in advance for public and private decisions that are about to be made. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Richard and Eric are coming forward over in the Family Life Center with Praise Band. 
we ask that you come forward with your decisions as they begin to play. If you're uncomfortable doing that, go to the east end of the building. After the service at the Connect desk, they'll meet with you, pray with you. Whatever decision you need to make, they'll be glad to counsel with you. We invite you to come forward here in the traditional service. If you're uncomfortable doing that, Ted and I will be at the Welcome Center desk right after the service. We'll be glad to pray with you, talk with you about salvation, church membership, whatever it might be. So Mark's going to lead us now. You come as God speaks to your heart. 